most of my elderly population needs something for pain, sleep, or anxiety, or all mm -hmm. three. And they're not walking around high on no. THC. You're just doing CBD. And that's... I mean, when, I, when I go and speak to people, I tell them what I do and I say, okay, tell me, look at my eyes. Do I look high to you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And do I and have... Like, no. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, I am full of cannabis right now. If you did a mm -hmm. drug test, you'd find it. You know, people are amazed that I am completely straight and able to have a discussion yeah. under the influence of cannabis all the time. Welcome to the Mama Chill Club podcast. I'm Elizabeth, mama of two boys and no stranger to the heaviness of motherhood. I faced challenges every single day and found that I handled the load so much better leveraging cannabis. Whether you're new to cannabis or an avid consumer, join me as I sit down with experts, OGs, and mamas to share stories and education to help make our days just a little more chill. So my inclination to start every single episode is always this is a good one. And I just get really excited about each interview that I'm doing because the education and how much I personally learn from each person selfishly, I get so much out of it. So this is a good one. I'm so excited to share it with you all. It's a good one for the skeptic. It's a good one for the person that thinks THC is what makes the magic of cannabis versus CBD. And it's just a really good one to take a look at what you're doing for yourself and how well you know yourself and what you can do to improve your everyday health and what you can do to start setting yourself up for success when you are aging and how you can introduce cannabis to someone that is aging or that's older, maybe more opposed. It's just a good conversation that will set you up for success and give you some tools in your tool toolbox. Don Marie Strinstra has always found a way to serve her community and advocate for her patients. She has owned and operated one of the very first Maryland assisted living homes for over 20 years, caring for elderly and vulnerable psychiatric patients discharged from hospitals in the early 1980s. She has also been a highly effective bedside nurse since 1996. Don Marie's specialty practices include skilled rehabilitation, subacute care, orthopedic, cardiac, pulmonary, ventilator management, brain injury, palliative care, hospice, and community health in the public sector. In caring holistically for her patients, she noted many issues with communication lacking within the healthcare system and patients' frustration in not accomplishing goals in treatment. As a passionate advocate for those who seek out her care, these specialties have dovetailed into her current consulting practice of cannabinoid therapeutics with Entourage Consulting Services. She has been approved by the Maryland Medical Cannabis Commission as a clinical director for dispensaries and works directly to help care for her patients who have chosen to utilize cannabis for treatment for distressing symptom management. As a founding board member of the American Cannabis Nurses Association and Cannabis Nurses Network, Dawn Marie is a pioneer in the new emerging aspect of healthcare with over a decade of experience with hundreds of patients. Her objective is to teach and assist both patients and peers working in a collaborative effort with dispensaries and staff for best practices and patient outcomes as legalization efforts for cannabis and other adaptogens increase. She was a founder of the National Clinical Director Consortium, working to bring all clinicians together in assisting patients in their utilization of cannabis as an herbal ancient medicine for national standards and treatment. I really hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I had with her. She is a wonderful human being. And without further ado, here's my conversation with Don Marie Strinstra. 
I was listening to a podcast last week. Um, You know, Gabby Reese, the professional volleyball player. She talks about a lot of mama stuff. And she was talking to another mom who is mama boys. And as a fellow boy mom, I'm sure you can appreciate this. They were talking about how when mothers talk about their young sons, it's always like, oh, he's so sweet or oh, he's so wild. And I know that you have three and I have two. And I want to know, does the sweetness carry on? Because, yeah, I got dirt thrown on me a bunch of times today. We're trying to sleep train a little bit. He, The littlest one just turned two. So it's oh, like. Oh, you've got little ones. Yeah. Oh, they are so sweet and honest at that age. Super sweet. Hey, yeah. Total twos, awful threes. Start to get it together when they're four. Yes. We have it together when they're five. My oldest, he was still sweet at two, so I was expecting this one to be sweet, but this one's more of just more of the crazy of me and my husband. So he's just already terrible twos. It's going to be a wild three, but you have to keep them wild and let them do all the adventurous stuff. Well, you know, I think you want to teach boys and girls nowadays as well to be brave, to be courageous, to go out there and take risks. But they need to learn calculating risk, in my opinion. Mm. Um, Like the broken bones and everything happens because they didn't calculate the risk before they went down that hill on a skateboard. Exactly. Or jumped off that roof and broke an arm, not realizing that, hey, I can handle a 10-foot drop, can't handle a 20-foot drop. You know what I mean? It's Mm -hmm. crazy stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. For my toddler right now, he's so top-heavy with his head. So it's like if I run full speed downhill, my head's going to go first. <laughs> right. He's learning how to catch himself now, finally. But I'm still holding my breath all the time. When does Well, that I can end? tell you. I can tell you in all honesty. My boys are now 40, 39, and 33. Mm-hmm. Or 34. And they are some... Uh, the one thing I know for a fact is that all of my boys have a very good heart. Mm-hmm. They're, they're fully stabilized men at this point capable of doing anything they want and they still are so tender-hearted about everything mm-hmm. and I consider that a win-win for me you know if my boys have good hearts that's all I really wanted in the big picture looking at the world today um I wouldn't want a boy that's too much of a hard ass or a girl that's too much of a hard ass you know you still have mm-hmm. to have passion and caring and loving for people and, yeah. and bigger than yourself caring and loving that sort of thing and my all my boys have that and they gave me some serious runs for my money mm-hmm. we had alcohol problems we had addiction problems we had all that stuff but in a way i almost think and this is going to sound terrible but i honestly think that the more you care and the more sensitive you are the more possibility you have of ending up with an addiction issue. Mm. Um, most people who have addiction problems, in my experience, are very emotionally bent, caring people with very good hearts. Mm-hmm. You don't meet a lot of people who are nasty, horrible people, you know, that have addiction issues. I've never thought about it that way. They may they may yeah. act like they're horrible and nasty, but deep down there's something burning within them that they can't handle. So mm-hmm. they, they fall on that crutch, whatever it is. That's just my own experience from everything I've seen all these years. But I worked with psych patients for many years on my own. Psych issues are very broad. 
you know, they try to, you know, consolidate them into a tiny little, you know, you can't space. put them in buckets. What we have nowadays, my God, you know, it's so hard, so hard to manage. I can't imagine being a parent trying to educate my kids these days. Very deep challenge. Yeah, it's so hard. And that's why I ask you that, because bringing that vulnerability piece out, I know Brene Brown has made that so mainstream. Mm-hmm. But I think that's so important because... Yeah, I want them to keep a level of sweetness, but the balancing act of all of the things. And I think the most important part is just keeping them wild and letting mm-hmm. them run around and rough house and just be there to make sure they don't take it too, too far. But like I know for my seven year old, if we do a mile walk in the morning, he's going to have a better day sitting at school when he's. Oh, yeah, of course. But, you know, another thing I did not do, which I should have done, and it probably would have saved a lot of issues when my kids were little is because I was taking care of psych patients in my home as well as well as my mm-hmm. kids, mm-hmm. I didn't have that concentrated um, that concentrated attention to my children. I should have. I think kids absolutely need routine. They need that constancy of routine. They need to uh, know what to expect. There's a word for it and I can't place it off the top of my well, head. Well when they're pushing boundaries, knowing what to expect even with that because right. that's exactly right. you where need to I'm mean at. What, yeah. you need to say what you mean and mean what you say as a parent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do not get into the one, two, three routine of one, you know, don't do that. I um, tried that with my oldest, but he's such a numbers kid. I used to try the one, two, three, because that's what my parents do with me. And I remembered that. And so I'd count and he'd go four, five, six. <laughs> well, see, I would do the two and a half. Oh, yeah. Three, four. You know what I mean? Because I didn't want to, and you know, I never spanked my kids. I, my, my youngest son was in a terrible, terrible accident and I almost lost him oh my god after that I just could not bring myself to swat my kids anymore and boys sometimes need a good swat on the bottom I don't care who you are mm-hmm. you know if you discipline mm-hmm. your kids you know they won't do ridiculous things when they're older yeah you know, and I don't mean abuse your kids but you know swat on the butt you know get your point across doesn't hurt no it doesn't because they need that toughness but I didn't believe in spanking, you know, but, you know, as a parent of two little kids, yeah. you know, I, I was doing it a lot just to try to keep them in line. But after my accident with my youngest, I just could not, could not lay a hand on any of my kids after that. It might have been to my detriment, you know, later in life. Maybe. I don't know. There's so many ways to discipline, though. Like with the toddler right now, if he throws something out of anger, because that's his thing right now, he'll pick something mm-hmm. up and just throw it. Mm-hmm. And we'll spend a good 20, 25 minutes standing there while he's crying, asking him to pick it up and he doesn't want to. And he'll just sit there and tears are flowing. He's so upset. And then after like 15, 20 minutes, he'll walk over, pick it up. And then it's like hugs. And it's like, thank you. Like, good job. Because he suffered through the discipline, Mm -hmm. basically. Mm -hmm. But if you're, you know, you have to be consistent. Consistency is what I was looking for. You need to be consistent. Don't punish them one time and let them get off because you're just too tired another time. Mm-hmm. And that was another thing I did. You know, I would I would punish them once. It would be successful. Then they do it again. And then I'd be like, oh, God, I'm just too tired. I can't do this. And I know. Lose everything. Well, you're you're bouncing a lot, too. Always, always. And, and my husband, my ex-husband wasn't around mm-hmm. a lot. So, so I was another father, mm-hmm. you know, and everything a lot of times to my kids. So it was tough. You know, no kidding. It was tough. But all my boys at this age, they all have tremendous hearts. They all have amazing worth ethics. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they saw you busting out every single day. I mean, the last time I talked to you, I told you you're you're a modern day hero with everything that you've been through and how big your heart is to give back to everyone. And I want to get into your story. And I know that you're 
your husband now calls you a Mother Teresa. He does. Yeah. I mean, what a great example for the boys to see, because sometimes I feel guilty for things that I do, like working out outside, like swinging a kettlebell while I'm trying to get him. But I'm like, no, this is a really good example of me taking care of myself. And I should not feel bad that he is entertaining himself or wants attention. And I'm saying no, because he also needs that example. And the example of worth ethic, I mean, translates to them now. They have great worth ethic because they saw you build something out of nothing, which is what I want you to tell us about your your backstory, what you've done as far as like the elderly and the women in your home and the accidents that you had and how you've powered through all of it and then what led you to cannabis too. So if you'll tell us your story. Okay, go all the way back to the beginning. Um, When I first got married the first time, I was was I 18? Yes, I was 18 years old when I got married the first time. I got pregnant within three months. Wow. I had one son. I got pregnant again within three months. <laughs> and I moved into a home. And the home had extra bedrooms at the time. It was my best friend's um, home that I bought. And at the time, she had been taking care of um, elderly people from her mother's church. As a result of that, I ended up utilizing the same space in the 1980s, in the, in the early 80s, they were looking to close down a psych hospital not far from me. And I was trying to think of a way to stay home and raise my children because I had two children and a waitress mentality, okay? That's yeah. all I had. Yeah. And my husband worked full time. So I'm like, how can I make money and stay home and raise my kids? And I racked my brain and I came up with this when I read in the paper that they were trying to close down a mental hospital. And there was no place for these people to go. So I said, you know, bring them to me. I'll take a couple, you know, some elderly ladies and, you know, because where else are they going to go? Mm-hmm. I didn't want to see people on the street. So the state had a program set up where I could have them come into my home. At the time, it was like 800 a month per person for everything. Okay. Wow. Food, lodging, everything. Yeah. What they're making $4,000 a month now doing the same thing I did back then. Okay. But I did not know, did not have a business acumen. So yeah. I, I took care, I took people in who were, who had mental issues. And I learned a lot about the mental illness industry that way as well. I found that, you know, my ladies that I took care of were probably on the light edge. A lot of them, I had a few complicated cases, but generally speaking, I saw that women were put in mental hospitals for like hysteria Mm. or menopause back in the day. Oh my gosh. Um, Alcohol issues. Mm -hmm. Um, There were some awful experiments that were done on people. And back then, I just wanted to help society. And I, you know, I, it ended up working out fine as far as, you know, I, I took care of three ladies at a time. And as time went on, I would, you know, if somebody left, I would be more conscious of who I was bringing in. Um, but I had a constant flow out of that mental hospital of people. I had over 12 ladies I took care of in care of private patients. Plus, I took care of my great-grandmother who passed away in my home at 103 and a half. The most peaceful passing I've ever seen as a a nurse or hospice nurse in general. Mm -hmm. So once all that dissolved, I lost my marriage, my business, everything in one year. Wow. In 20, I want to say 2001, 2002, I lost everything and I had to revamp. So I just basically worked independently as a nurse because I did put myself through LPN school after that or before that and became a nurse like in 1996. 
So fast forward, single mom, raising teenagers, bad relationships, because I still had to learn all the lessons from mm-hmm. my marriage. Mm-hmm. And in 2011 or 2010, I went through um, a breast cancer and I dealt with that between me and my mom. Actually, my mom came with me for all my treatments and things. I got through that and I started dating again after that. But I was really, really um, self-conscious, you know, about the way everything was. Mm-hmm. They didn't construct or anything like that. And I met my husband to be online. You know, we went out and we started dating and we got very serious, very fast because we just clicked whenever. When you know, started. yeah. I had given up on men by that time. We clicked like perfectly. This is a year out of my cancer. Five months after meeting him, he took me to a Patients Out of Time conference, Arizona. Now, mind you, I didn't even know what he did for a living. He used to work <laughs> yeah. in his basement. And I thought he was a computer guy that just himself had no clue. He had like farm pictures of people threshing a field, but never put two and two together. So he takes me to this Patients Out of Time conference. And I, I mean, I had smoked cannabis when I was a kid. And I knew that it was the only thing on God's green earth besides my mother's Valium that I used to steal once in a while that would chill yeah, me yeah. out because I wasn't a drinker. Mm-hmm. First time I drank to excess, I got violently ill. So I stayed yeah. away from it after that. Yeah, but I would smoke cannabis on occasion. And I knew that it was something good instinctively. But at the Patients Out Time Conference, I learned about how it was prohibited, the prohibition rhetoric. Everything that happened with Anslinger Anslinger and the uh, Narcotics Bureau, Schedule 1. And plus, right before I had gotten my cancer, I had been dealing with hospice and cancer patients in my field when I was nursing. And I knew that the four medications we have as a hospice nurse do not work for everybody. And it was so frustrating as a nurse that I could not get my patient out of pain or they were knocked unconscious by morphine the whole time and their family's trying to talk to them, you know, until the very moment that they pass. So I realized that what the heck, you know, how could they do this to people? And I became pretty much a rabid advocate after that. You could not shut me up after that. I was so infuriated by the way the government had taken away this natural right. I mean, it's a God-given plant, for goodness sake. Who has ever died from it? Overdose. This is ridiculous. If it was a brand new discovery, it would be like, it would be a breakthrough discovery in health and, you know, mental, mm-hmm. mental health. If it had been discovered. That's what I would have. When I found out, um, Marilyn Mathry happened, Marilyn Mathry is the person who runs patients out of time. And she was getting together all of the nurses that were attending that day. There were about 36 of us. And she sat us down at lunch and she said, I want to start an association of nurses specialized in cannabis. We're all like, we're in, we're in Maryland. <laughs> and the American Cannabis Nurses Association started literally pretty much with other nurses besides her board of directors. Other nurses in the public started that at that conference at lunch that day. So I've been involved with the American Cannabis Nurses Association since it even started. And I was on the organizational board from 2012 to 2015. Once that started, then, you know, I went whole hog into my education. And that's the one thing I warn every patient about is please, please, please take your education in measured doses. <laughs> because literally I got sick because I was just, you know, you eat and eat and eat yep. this stuff. And eventually you're just going to throw it all back yep. because you just can't deal with it all. It's so much. 
And then I had to weed through to find the good resources and I had to weed through to find the people. But back then it was just kind of a beginning thing. Fine, so you everyone. Had, yeah. you had Americans for safe access. You had patients out of time. If you go back about 10 years, you'll find the original founding educational resource. I have certain resources that I prefer, which we'll talk about near the end of the mm -hmm. podcast, that will definitely give you a good education in a short period of time. So I did that. And then I found, I actually got involved with Americans for Safe Access. I learned how to advocate properly instead of just, you know, stating my opinion. <laughs> um, I learned how to advocate properly to legislators, to write testimony, to give testimony. I wrote, I gave testimony. I went down to the legislative offices and talked to people. I did uh, the volunteer lobby work that ASA does in DC. So I learned how to handle myself mm -hmm. and, and, and to channel all of that angst that I have for, you know, the government for yeah. what happened with cannabis. Once I did that, then I learned about advocating to my own legislature in Maryland and our program started to come up. So when our program started to come up, I was like in the hot seat as far as I knew enough that I could actually make a difference. So I advocated for clinical directors in every dispensary to talk to patients, to help guide patients in their journey, because a lot of people give up before they even really start because they take too much or they have a bad experience, yep. it doesn't happen to help them. But sincerely, if a patient is sat with and taught basically the process of how to titrate yourself, people would be coming back. Totally. They understand how it works. Yeah. And the tools to keep going with it too, whether it's journaling or in an app or something to keep continue to learning yourself. Because right. And that's then, the biggest part is and learning. In the beginning, yourself. we didn't have the apps. Depending and in the beginning, we didn't have the clinical directors in Maryland either. They actually yeah. put it on hold for three years. So that's a bad situation because our dispensaries were set up with no clinical directors except my own at the at that point, because I had my own dispensary at that point, tried to make myself a clinical director of my own dispensary, uh -huh. be that leg up other people. And some dispensaries still really, really advocate for the medical piece. A lot of people are terrified of giving medical advice, right? But here's the situation. We have, we have set up cannabis industry in the United States and in the world without any kind of education to doctors. They're just beginning to have education for doctors. I used to educate nursing groups. When I first came into this, I came up, I actually started a advocacy group called We Can, mm -hmm. as in, if they won't do it, we can. Mm -hmm. Because back then when we were advocating for the program, one of the uh, key legislators who was a doctor told me, he goes, we're not gonna pay for more training. We're not gonna take the time. This is a no-brainer. We're not doing it. And I'm like, but there is a method that patients need to learn, that you need to teach them if you're going to certify them to be able to utilize cannabis. Some doctors took that seriously. Most of them did not. Hmm. Um, so when I had my own dispensary, I went around and I vetted every single solitary physician within a 10-mile radius, make sure they at least knew what they were talking about. Equip them with the right tools. Correct. Yeah. Correct. So I, I took a lot on a very you know, critical time. Mm -hmm. I felt it was important to educate the public. So my group of weekend people, which it's funny because at least half of my original group, board group that we were organizing are now in long-term cannabis working on stuff. Oh, very cool. You know, either clinical very directors cool. or working with a company or whatever. But we had about 82 professionals in our group 
who are willing to go out there and educate. Mm-hmm. Once you understand that knowledge and kind of dip your toes, like there's no stopping, just like with you, like once you experience, like you can't go back from there. Yeah, you can't. I mean, that's the problem. Once you do that, you can't go back. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I would get, for example, I would go speak at a senior center somewhere. Mm-hmm. Somebody would see me in that senior center and I'd have three emails from three other senior centers to come and speak because, you know, back to our, our conversation about the elderly and women, mm-hmm. you know, Women in general, and then the elderly as a secondary, mm-hmm. are the biggest growing demographics we have right now in this industry. And these people are looking for the medical aspect, They're looking to handle menopausal symptoms, hormonal symptoms, anxiety, sleep disorders, mm-hmm. you know, all of those things women are looking for. And the elderly are sick and tired of poly pharmacy. When I worked in long-term care and hospice, my God. I was giving people 10, 12 medications crushed in a cup, mixed with applesauce. They even had breakfast. That's and terrible. It was terrible. You know, now as a coming of, you know, the whole thing full circle, I'm helping elderly patients get off of those medications mm-hmm. with their doctor's help and with my guidance. And, you know, they're able to live fuller lives, be pain, you know, relatively pain-free, if not completely pain-free, and doing what they want to do. And my hospice patients are able to talk to their families until the very last minutes of life. Which is amazing. Like, that's a huge gift it's, that you can have. Both sides. Yeah. I mean, honestly, you know, I've talked to hospices about this. If hospices could just see the difference in one patient, mm-hmm. it would turn their whole their whole approach around. You know, because when I worked when I worked as a um, home care nurse, mm-hmm. after I quit that other job, and I had I was on my own. I actually worked with a patient where when the husband found out about me, he said, you know, is there a way we can try cannabis with her? Mm. Um, Because his brother apparently had had a glioblastoma that had calcified like 20 years ago. And I said, well, yeah, I don't know how we can do this because it's illegal. Yeah, but I'm Um, up for the challenge. (laughs) And if I don't want to get in trouble, he goes, well, why don't we just do it between us and see what happens? And I was like, okay. Then we found out none of the nurses on the case would give her the medicine because they were afraid of being fired or seen. Yeah, yeah. So between he and I, we had to be there constantly to give her the medicine in the beginning. Mm -hmm. But we saw a difference. She was unable to speak, but she could tell, she could nod and blink her eyes. And, you know, within three, three to five days, we, she told us there was a difference in her pain management in a week to 10 days. Her pain management went from 10 to 3 to 0. That is insane. And we were like, what? And her doctor, her nurse practitioner was like, what? And as soon as the nurse practitioner actually saw what was going on, because I I did share it with the nurse practitioner who was on her case, but I didn't share it with my manager at the time. And, you know, I told my manager about it and I said, look, I said, this is something that I'm going to do. Feel free to refer me to people. Mm-hmm. Never happened that way. But this patient has been stabilized for over six years. There has been no progression whatsoever of her disease process, which that blows my mind. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't believe mm-hmm. because I wish we had gotten to her sooner. Yeah. But you know, to improve the quality years. this far, like what kind of regimen did you have her on? I basically was giving her a full spectrum um, organic 
um, CBD oil twice a day, about 20 milligrams twice a day. And because that's what I was taking, right? Uh And I had gotten off of all my pain management meds because I had been in pain management since the year uh, 1999. Because you'd been in an accident. Yeah, I'd been in a bad car accident. I had to get um, cervical surgery for five through seven of my um, spine and my neck, spinal surgery. And my lower back is still messed up with herniation, mm-hmm. but I don't want to get it operated on. But when I found out, you know, my husband was worried about me being, a, you know, dependent on all of the pain uh-huh. medications. Uh-huh. I was taking narcotics, two narcotics, muscle relaxers, sleep aids, you know, like Ambien, uh-huh. uh, benzodiazepines, all together, which yeah. medically you're not supposed to do. Doctors and my pain management doctors thought nothing of it prescribing it like that. They just wanted but, you to get through the day. Yeah. And, yeah. and back then they didn't know. My husband was concerned about me because I was so dependent on my pain meds and I had lost my pain meds on vacation once and I lost my mind. He said, Don, I really want you to go to this company that I know and try their product just to see. And sure as you're born within five days, I was like, wait a minute. Within two weeks, I was like, Oh my goodness, I can like literally cut down on my PRN pain meds. Just from a CBD tincture. Just from the CBD. Because I look at it this way. The whole plant was given to us. Let's use it. Because it's harm, you know, there's no harm that we know so far. Within probably six months of starting that CBD oil, I was able to wean off of everything. The hardest thing to get off of was the benzodiazepine for anxiety. But in time, I did find a, a tincture that would do that. So now, all I take is... Full spectrum CBD oil, hemp derived CBD oil twice a day, three times a day if I'm feeling rough in the afternoon, and I take a THC gummy to sleep at night, and that is it. That is all. That's, am- that's all my medications. That's amazing, and the fact that it's CBD and not THC, because I know as a as a rookie cannabis consumer a couple of years ago, I thought all the magic was in the, the THC, and you Everybody need that to feel that, and you don't. And that's the really cool part because you could be doing CBD tinctures and still reap so many great benefits. I think and this, this is the way that this is the way I handle my elderly population because there's so many pharmaceuticals that can interact with THC. Mm-hmm. We, we found a few with CBD, but not a whole lot, but you know, I can go over their medications with them, mm-hmm. tell them what the risks are. I can tell them what the benefits are and most of my elderly population needs something for pain, sleep, or anxiety, or all mm-hmm. three. And they're not walking around high no. on THC. You're just doing CBD. And that's... I mean, when, I, when I go and speak to people, I tell them what I do. And I say, okay, tell me, look at my eyes. Do I look high to you? And do I and have a like, no. <laughs> Yeah. And I'm like, I am full of cannabis right now. If you did a mm-hmm. drug test, you'd find it. People are amazed that I am completely straight and able to have a discussion yeah. Under the influence of cannabis all the time. I can drive, I can do everything. It's not something that is going to impair you in in that kind of regard that we have always been told it's going to do. Like right. you're just going to zone out, clock out, and the day's done. It's like, no, because I, I can do that too. I can even take a little bit of THC too, but just I like I microdose it is what I right. like to say. And I can function fully and take care of a toddler and a seven-year-old and fully sober, basically. Like I feel right. good and I'm actually, I feel better. When I do it, I wish I'd had this back when my kids were small. Oh, I bet. I think I actually, I'll tell you the truth. I wish I'd had this when I had my ladies from the psych ward. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Because I am thrilled about what they're finding out with all time. 
and, you know, yeah. disorders of the elderly. I mean, my God, this mm -hmm. could be something, you know, with Tika and Olam in Israel, they have done some amazing stuff. Yeah. How did you, how did you get in to supporting the elderly? Because that's what I always did as an LPN. That's all yeah. you could do in Maryland as an LPN was going okay. to nursing homes, hospice, home call. Yeah. There are all, there's only so many things you can do as an LPN in yeah. Maryland. And so what, what are the main ailments that you're seeing? I know you said like aches and pains and sleep and anxiety. Like, are these the main things that you're consistently helping treat with CBD? Like, are you seeing anything else that has had a really great reaction to CBD for someone that is aging or like the mom, the mamas that we are helping age to our grandmas? Menopause. I have found that if you get the right combo for yourself, I mean, I, I was having terrible hot flashes, having terrible issues with my emotions. Um, yeah. You know, the hot sweats and then cold. You're hot and cold. Yep. Yeah, yep. It, it's just nuts. I couldn't stand it. I was getting up five and six times a night. I'm trying to work. I'm trying to do everything. I'm sweating, having to change my sheets. And finally, when our cannabis program came up, because I started going through menopause, perimenopause when I was like 42. Mm. I'm 60 now. Still doing it. I found that when I started taking this this CBD tincture that the uh, hot flashes got less. They were still there, but they weren't as powerful. So then I was trying to figure out how can I sleep through the night and not have an issue? So I started taking this CBD gum or not THC gummy, excuse uh -huh. me. And sure enough, I got up two times a night instead of six. And I don't have a hot flash until it wakes, it wears off in the morning. So I have almost eight to 10 hours now, everybody's different. Everybody's endocannabinoid system is different. Mm -hmm. But for myself, I was able to get eight hours, six to eight hours of uninterrupted sleep, except for maybe getting up once or twice. Which is so important because sleep deprivation is, I feel like, where all of our issues come from, especially as moms. Like, as in, I feel like that's where my postpartum depression came from. Like, I felt great when he was, he was like miracle sleeping baby the first two months. And then after that, it was waking up every because I slept next to him and nursed him to sleep and so it was like every two hours and that's where I started to go crazy because that sleep sleep piece so important well and the and the, the really great thing about cannabis I found is if you allow it you can you you can maintain that feeling for a while mm. the only disadvantage is if you have little children and you're a hard sleeper to begin with you need to maybe not be so, not so uh, heavy with THC yeah. because, you know, the, the good thing I'm uh, getting back to is the fact that even if you're under the influence of THC, if you're just on that edge of sleepy, you can pull yourself out of that to cope with whatever you have to cope mm -hmm. with. Mm -hmm. It's not like uh, taking any other kind of pharmaceutical that when it puts you down, it puts you down and you can't get out of it. Down for the well, count. You can come out of it if you have to. That's why... I remember when I was young, you know, I used to be the DD friends mm -hmm. and uh, I'd buy him the alcohol because I could pass for every 18 and then I would <laughs> be the DD. Once you drink or whatever, you can't pull yourself no. out of that yourself again. Now, mind you, you might still have some red eyes. You might still have a little bit of slowness, but not enough to impair you. 
That actually happened the other night. So my toddler now sleeps on his own after everyone's asleep. I have one of those student glasses. Have you seen those? The gravity ones that you can twist and it like pulls. Oh, no. oh my it's gosh, cool. it's so cool. It was so expensive, but it was so worth it. On like Friday nights, just relax and de-stress from the whole week. Pull out the student glass. Like I'll send you a picture of it because it is the like coolest looking thing. And so I got a little high, but on the monitor, I hear the little one go mama and I look and in the monitor I just see just vomit like he is super throwing up and it was like instantly I was like not high anymore I was it's go time downstairs ran downstairs did did the whole thing um and then I slept with him the rest of the night but I remember laying there with him I was like it is so crazy like I upstairs I was on a good one upstairs Mm -hmm. like just relaxing I don't even feel it anymore Mm -hmm. like it's you can snap yourself out of it like it's not like you're a zombie or just well and I think I think a lot of that is related to education on how to utilize it properly mm-hmm. as well because I have had a lot of patients that I've had to speak to that they literally are taking too much THC and they're like well mm-hmm. I thought a little bit would help but more would help I'm like no this yeah. is the way mm-hmm. cannabis is there's a bell curve yeah. there's this there's mm-hmm. that you have to you know go start low and go slow and titrate yeah. up you know, I yeah. start, like I said, with all of my elderly people, I'll start them on a high full spectrum CBD product just so they can see the cannabis is not going to hurt you. The only thing yeah. missing from that is high THC. Yes. Every other chemical in cannabis are right there. So they can see the cannabis is not going to make you crazy. It's not nope. going to make you nuts. Nope. It could actually help you. Then once they've adjusted to that, then we'll talk about adding THC to it. And we very slowly titrate up. And usually mm-hmm. they find their, their sweet spot that if they take yeah. too much of that, it makes them a little bit dizzy and nauseated. Mm-hmm. If they take just this amount though, they are perfect. And is that the same with topicals too? Like for arthritis or like aches and pains oh, as yeah. you're aging, same thing with topicals or because I know that there's THC in topicals too, but it doesn't affect you psychoactively, right? No. So you no. could do really as much as Which you Which is really strange because you know, I'm still wondering about the patches. Oh, the transdermal patches? Yeah, I'm those wondering how me, the patches work properly. Those make those give me the best night's sleep I have found. I get the longest stages of like slow wave and REM sleep when I do a patch on my foot. Mm-hmm. It's very strange. So I, I like to I'd like to study patches more mm-hmm. and as a as a nurse that specialized in wound care, I yes. would love to see somebody develop something with wound care with Yep. with CBD in it. I mean, there are so many natural medicines we don't even use. Mm-hmm. And this is just the tip of the iceberg. I mean, I'm all excited about mushrooms now. And Me too. You know what I mean? It's like you take yeah. a combination of cannabis and mushrooms, you should be really good. I know I have a friend too that will make her own vitamins. So she knows she's deficient in like D mm-hmm. and B and something. And she'll like, she's just amazing. She'll make her own and then she'll crush up some psilocybin in there too. And like, she'll have these pills that she takes and it has helped her tremendously through chronic pain and stuff like that. Well, I know that with, you know, hospice and death and dying and aging process, there are a lot of things that we live with throughout our entire lives that we just oh can't seem to shake. I mean, I'll, I'll share personally that, you know, I know I, I got postpartum depression after my last son and I've had lingering low level depression my entire life. I can't, I, I, I've been through all kinds of counseling, all kinds of Al-Anon, you know, you name it. Yep. I can't seem to shake this. And I'm like, you know, I really want to participate in a study and do a therapeutic dose of mushrooms to 
break through this wall. Yes. Because I really feel I could do it if I had the right tools. So I'm waiting for that opportunity yet. Oh, oh, do it. I, I know a lot of people that have done journeys like that and it's been so we'll tremendous. Talk. Yeah, yeah, we will. <laughs> when it comes to the aging and the seniors, what kind of regimens do you normally have people go on for all the common things, you know, the menopause, aches, pains, anxiety, sleep? You know, like things like Parkinson's, autoimmune disease, um, mm -hmm. a lot, like I've dealt with ALS, I've dealt with um, mm -hmm. Parkinson's, I've dealt with cancers. Different cancers are tricky because they're finding that certain cannabinoids can aggravate it and certain cannabinoids can kill mm -hmm. it. So we have to be very careful. It's not all about THC. It really mm -hmm. isn't. Um, then that's the first thing I think the entire world needs to understand is this is not about THC. Mm -hmm. This is about a plant that has over 400 chemical components in it. And every one of those components links in with the human body system, yeah. the endocannabinoid system. A lot of time, like I said, with a regimen, if I start somebody on a full spectrum CBD product, about 85 to 90% of the time, there's some kind of reaction from that that's positive. Yeah. It's either a positive reaction or it's nothing at all, one yeah. or the other. And you're big on tinctures, right? You've seen I am, oh, yes, profound, I'm big on tinctures, yes. profound effects on tinctures and creams. I, I find it hard to, now they're starting to make them, okay? So I won't negate them completely. I find it hard to find full spectrum gummies. I also am concerned about people with diabetes, yeah. not having that sugar. So tinctures seem to be the easiest way to measure and to have consistency across the board over time mm -hmm. with older people. Yeah. And a lot of times, a lot of the products are hard for them to open. Oh, that's a good so, point. Because they're hard already to open. Right. The, the dispensaries yeah. are obligated to do childproof yes. uh, packaging. Yeah. And even I have had to take a hammer to stuff. Oh, same. Or just yeah. take scissors to open it. Because right. they're really tough, like those Ziploc-y ones. Right. So we're working right now in Maryland for Ryan's Law. And Ryan's Law was passed in California to help terminal patients use cannabis in an inpatient setting. Okay. whether it's a hospital, a nursing home, any kind of inpatient setting. So we're working on that in Maryland as well to have full access to cannabis in an inpatient setting, not just terminal. And it looks like it's going to pass. So I'm very awesome. excited about that. Yeah. How do we set ourselves up for success when we know we're approaching menopause, for example? Like my only experience with menopause is being with my grandmother and she always had a sweater with her she always had to have a big purse so she could fit her sweater in it because if she went inside the grocery store and it was too cold she'd have to put it on and then when she got too hot she would take it off put it in her sweater like what what are some things that we have not been around menopause like what can we start setting ourselves up carry a fan <laughs> whether it's electrical I, my aunt used to carry a fan it was hilarious she had one of those so cute those little tiny fans Mm -hmm. And she would run it in church. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I personally have got to have some kind of fan all the time because I'll still have a hot flash in the middle of the day because I don't take a lot of THC during the day. Mm -hmm. Have a relationship. If you're involved with cannabis, find a clinical director to help you work through that. Well, let's pause on that. What can you... Because I think that's a really important point because that was something I didn't know about until I met you because no one really talks about it. It's not like blatant on a website, like go talk to our clinical clinical director. What is the purpose of a clinical director? Does every dispensary have one? And what can you do for patients? Okay, well, I know that in about five states, five mm -hmm. states require clinical directors. 
Most clinical directors are pharmacists, however. I advocated personally to have cannabis nurses included as clinical directors, and I was honored and privileged to be approved as one, along with about eight other of my cannabis nurse friends that I know. Mm -hmm. Maryland and a couple other states require it. I suggest if you're in one of those states that you go find a clinical director or, you know, you can email me. I have other people that I can refer people to and resources to help with your education. Because a lot of this is just a matter of handholding and education, mm -hmm. especially with the elderly. I, you can't blame them, you know, because if they take a THC to sleep at night, the last thing they want to do is fall. Yeah. So you have to educate them, you know, keep some support nearby. Make sure you have water next to your bed. You're going to have dry mouth. Mm -hmm. and, and, and teach them the expectations of what cannabis will do as well as the benefits that mm -hmm. it will do. Mm -hmm. um, because most people get afraid because they don't know. They just don't know. Yeah. You know they're, they're like, I'm going to get high and I'm going to lose control. God knows. Back to our boys and girls. The last thing the girls want to do is lose control in mm -hmm. any way, shape, or form. <laughs> And men love to have the control. So the idea that losing control is the Scary. biggest thing that I fight against with education of any age group, um, especially people looking to utilize it for health conditions. The educational piece first, mm -hmm. you know, because yeah. you can, if you don't have a clinical director in your state, um, I can certainly refer you around to different people that can do mm -hmm. the job. And you um, can go into a dispensary and speak to the clinical director and have a one-on-one -on -one and discuss what you're looking to solve, right? The law that put clinical directors in Maryland initially was for a clinical director in every dispensary. In-house. When COVID happened, everything went online. Okay. So I'm capable of taking care of multiple dispensaries now because I'm online. Got it. Okay. And I depend on the dispensary to refer people to me or for people to get in touch with me through the dispensary. I see. So someone um, can go in to a dispensary and say, I need more help or I have a serious issue, please refer me, and then they would put you in touch. You should be able to go to a dispensary or go to a dispensary website mm -hmm. and ask for one. Okay. At least in Maryland, for sure. Mm -hmm. Pennsylvania, for sure. Um, and I think there's three others, I'm not sure. Which okay, one because bud tenders are great based on experience and who they talk to. But if you feel like it's a deeper medical issue or you want a medical professional, that's when you can utilize this. Well, and the problem is that, that um, dispensary workers mm -hmm. are not allowed to speak about medical conditions, which I think is kind of ridiculous. Yeah. Being that, you know, number one, most products are marketed towards physical conditions. The entire industry is built upon patients with physical conditions. It seems ridiculous that I can't teach staff what to look for in yeah. a patient to refer to me. So, you know, because I don't mind taking that slack off of them. Mm -hmm. But, you know, like I said in, earlier in our talk, you know, when I was a clinical director of my dispensary way back when, the problem with being in-house is that literally you can be talking to somebody for over an hour in the dispensary while five, ten patients go past you. Yeah. That should have had some help from you. So I think that the online idea of just asking questions or setting up an appointment with me to talk about your conditions after filling out a consult form, I think that's a much more logical approach, especially in the age of um, the internet. I think so too, because having a missed opportunity with someone that was more hesitant or, because I have a friend that went to a dispensary and didn't have much guidance and took way too much THC in a gummy and really had a bad reaction. And yeah. 
called me all the time. really scared and wanted to go to the hospital, like your typical, <laughs> like I'm dying situation. But yeah, having that as an option and for Maryland specifically, knowing that there's clinical directors and then possibly in other states, that's something to look for, for, well, for help. And, and I do believe that, you know, education, you know, forearmed is for, forewarned is forearmed, you know, mm-hmm. if you have the education in your back pocket, mm-hmm. and I, I've told dispensaries, you know, put overconsumption education in the freaking bag with the patient. Um, because they need to know that this is a real risk if you're going to start utilizing THC. Mm-hmm. They should be taught about cutting up gummies, cutting up tablets. Yes. Oh you, can't cut up, you can't cut up a capsule, you know, but you can cut up a tablet, you can cut up a gummy, you can cut up a lot of things. Cut up a brownie, a gu- you know, whatever. Any kind of edible you can cut up. I don't know how many people will eat a whole brownie in one sitting or a whole... Yeah. I had one gentleman that got in touch with me he had eaten a 50 milligram THC halfy. Oh my gosh. And he's I, like, I don't understand. And I'm like, did anybody tell you to cut this thing up? Mm-hmm. Well, they told me I couldn't do that. I'm like, oh God. Yeah, I didn't know I could cut up gummies too until someone told me. And I was like, oh, I guess that makes a whole lot of sense, <laughs> logically speaking, because I'm very sensitive to THC. Very, very sensitive. A two and a half milligram mm-hmm. will make me feel very high. And then it lasts a very long time. So I have to do like a half of a half of a half in order. Well, now another cool thing about starting people out on full spectrum CBD products, hemp products, is the fact that you have a better tolerance for THC off the money. Start low, but you find you can handle that low. You go a little bit higher and a little bit higher. And like with me, I'm up to where I have to take at least 15 milligrams of THC to knock me down at night. Hmm. But I've been on it for over seven years. I have specific goals I'm trying to do because of the hot flashes and everything else. But I titrated up slowly to get there. And I, you have to have patience. Mm-hmm. You have to have patience with yourself. You have to take it upon yourself to journal. Journal this stuff. Write down everything you take, exactly when it took effect, how long it took, what you see you don't like. Because a lot of that can be mitigated with other things, other terpenes or other, you know, there's, there's lots of ways to manage it once you've started but again it's education it is though and it's hard work and you have to be willing to invest in yourself and i think it took me seven months to figure out what terpenes like the components in the plant that produce the different effects which ones do the best for me personally and it took a long time of journaling i would do flour i would do tinctures i would do i would try everything but now i know exactly like when I'm starting to feel a lot of anxiety or a lot of stress of the day, I know exactly what to reach for that's going to give me the best relief in the quickest amount of time or most sustained effects because I've, I put in, that was a couple of years ago that I started putting in the work, but to know yourself so well is so important. Oh yeah. You have to pay attention to your own body because your own body will tell you what you need. Um, another cool thing that's come out recently, uh, one of my friends is, um, uh, Sharice Jackson, and she is actually doing, is involved with something called We Decode, mm-hmm. where it's like a genetic test to figure out which cannabinoids and which terpenes and all that work that is in the body so type. Cool. So cool. That sounds fascinating to me, although I'm really weird about genetic testing. It sounds super fascinating. That would yeah. be really cool because to be able to know what you respond to, so when you know that you're going to have certain ailments like 
arthritis runs in my family. So it's like, if I know certain terpenes work, I can start stacking the deck now. Would you? Right. Because, right, exactly. yeah, when it comes to all that stuff, is that what you recommend? Doing a CBD tincture every day, no matter what ailment you have to like start having that medicine work in your body? Or is it more reactive when you feel something? That's when you should start utilizing it more. Which- I, think, I think for health and wellness, because of the life we lead, because of all of the processed foods and garbage we're eating, because of the environment and the pollution, if this, I mean, I truly believe that full spectrum hemp derived CBD products with a tiny bit of THC can literally help you feel better no matter what's going on. So I personally believe everybody should be taking it at least twice a day, even a little bit, just to help like fine tune and Mm -hmm. ramp up your endocannabinoid system because like the first time or two you try cannabis, you'll notice you don't feel anything at all. Some people can take a 50 milligram gummy the first time and not feel anything at all. And that's scary, but it can happen. But you know, once you ramp up those receptors to know what they're doing, because most people, in general, in healthcare, because they have, haven't had access to this plant for over 80 years, are endocannabinoid deficient. Deficiency that's going on, that's almost true. like having a vitamin deficiency. So the safest, most practical way is to try a full-spectrum hemp-derived CBD product, a tincture in particular. Because um, another thing is, I don't think a gummy quite metabolizes like Mm-mm. a does. No, that's like right under the tongue and Right, you can absorb. get the sublingual absorption, which goes straight to your bloodstream, mm-hmm. and you get the GI absorption through the liver. Well, when you take a tincture, you get a two you get a two for one administration method. Because I mean I'm not crazy about smoking or vaping either. Mm-hmm. But there are people that swear by smoking and that's fine. I'm ter- I'm kind of afraid of dabs to a degree because I'm seeing an uptick in uh, cannabis use disorder okay. uh, nationally. And I think I really feel in my heart that has something to do with patients getting dependent, not addicted, but dependent, dependent. on uh, high, high concentrates. We'll see. It'll shake out. The science will get out. Because right. I, I think it's good to take breaks every once in a while, too, if if you can manage it with everything that you're managing. Well, right? when you take a break, I don't go off completely. I take mm-hmm. a break with my preferred product, and I'll go to a lesser dose of another product so that I don't ever have time without that. However, I would think that, you know, I've gone as mo- as long as like a week without anything, and my pain does come back. I mean, cannabis is not a cure-all, okay? It's no. not a cure at all, per se. It will give control to distressing symptoms that you have, mm-hmm. whether it be pain, anxiety, shaking from Parkinson's, whatever. But if you would stop taking cannabis, and this goes too for cancer treatment, patients need to know this because I recently found this out about two years ago. If you're taking cannabis and you put your cancer in remission, you can never go off of cannabis to stay in remission because there are people that when they go off of cannabis, it'll take a while, but the cancer will come back with a vengeance. You know, cannabis is not a panacea. It's not a cure-all but it will definitely help distressing symptoms as well as, if not better than, any pharmaceutical. I like the way that you say it puts you in control because it totally does. It takes that uncontrollable pain, that uncontrollable Mm -hmm. anxiety, that uncontrollable Mm -hmm. sleeplessness and puts it where you can manage it yourself. And again, like you said, it puts you back in control of your own body, which is our goal. It's our complete goal. As you said earlier, we like to be in control 
And that's just one aspect that you can have power of yourself once you know yourself and put in the work and then right. have that control. What are your favorite resources that you tell patients to go to, to look at, to research more if someone is new and wants more information? Okay, the very, I, I have a list of resources. Like I told you, I've got mm -hmm. um, Patients Out of Time, uh, has all of the science for the last 20 years that has been, um, that has been researched. Yeah. Uh, United Patients Group with John Malanka is a very good resource. Okay. Um, I met John Malanka at the same conference and, um, or no, I met him at a later conference, but I've been a um, national ambassador for United Patients Group for a long time. And there, there is a plethora of legitimate information on the United website, United Patients Group mm -hmm. website uh, regarding patients and how to utilize their cannabis. There's vetted products that John has gone through. Uh, there are resources for doctors or whatever, or nurses you can get a hold of. Mm -hmm. But United Patients Group is a good one. There's I'll put American, all the links of this in the show notes. Yeah, there's the Americans for Safe, uh, for Safe Access, mm -hmm. if you want to learn advocacy yourself. One of my resources that I go to all the time if I have issues, like, give you an example, when D8 came out, and all yes. these things to verify me, I went straight to Project CBD, and daggone it, Project CBD did not have an article written about, you know, calling out this practice. They're very reliable for calling out the players. And also Healer with Dr. Sulak. If you want to actually get clinical education or want to be a bud tender and want to be a very well-educated bud tender, mm -hmm. healer.com with Dr. Okay. Dustin Sulak is amazing. You learn from the best at a very reasonable price. And then there's my website, entourageconsulting.net. Anyone that would want to do a consultation, I can do a consultation with anybody, anywhere. Um, it doesn't have to be Maryland. And we can talk awesome. one-on-one -on -one about your case. Well, this has been a wealth of information. And I know a bunch of people that I'm so excited to pass this on to already. Thank you for chatting with me today. Thank you very much for all your help and, you know, taking the time to do this. I really appreciate it. And if you, you know, I'm here anytime. Okay. Well, I will definitely take you up on it because this has been really fun and I learned a lot, just like the last time we spoke. I learned so much. So um, I'm excited to put a lot of this into action too. Thanks, Elizabeth. And I know that all of your mamas will definitely get some information from this broadcast. Definitely. The mamas, the grandmamas, everyone. It'll be mm -hmm. perfect. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. I hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as I had with Don Marie. Do me a favor, pass this on to three more mamas that need to hear this information or that just need an uplifting, positive conversation to listen to in their day. It takes a village, it takes a tribe, and we all need to be there for each other. And this is just one small way that we can help our fellow mama next to us. I am busy over here having more interviews, putting out more content, and if you are looking for more, head over to mamachillclub.com and sign up for the Mama Mary newsletter. It is a newsletter that will go out once a week that will be more content around mamas and cannabis. If you're looking for more, head there. Otherwise, stand by for the next episode. We have some really awesome stuff coming out. Thanks again for being here. I'm Elizabeth with Mama Chill Club, and we'll see you on the next one. This episode is sponsored by Mana Supply Medical Cannabis Dispensary, a premier hub for cannabis, wellness, and community. Whether you're new or already a friend of cannabis, their staff is happy to guide you through the journey. 
and offers free patient consultations. Mana has two convenient locations in Middle River and Edgewater, Maryland. While you do need a Maryland medical card to access their THC-containing products, they also carry a full stock of hemp and CBD that do not require a medical card. Make sure to give them a follow on Instagram at mana.maryland, that's M-A-N-A dot Maryland, and click on the link in their bio to see their full menu and calendar of events, including field festivals, meditation Mondays, monthly educational webinars, and more. You can also place a pre-order on their website, manasupply.com, M-A-N-A-S-U-P-P-L-Y.com, and their Edgewater location even offers a drive through option. When you visit Mana, make sure to mention Mama Chill Club and you'll receive a 25% discount as a new patient or a $5 off stackable coupon as a returning patient.